0: Good afternoon, Dennis Stewart. How are you today? You feeling well?
1: Dave, I'm feeling very well. And how are you, Dave?
0: I'm, I'm great. Couldn't be any better. I'm feeling great. Now, today, yes. a very interesting topic because it is topical at the moment. Although we've had a bit of sunshine and a bit of warmth, mm-hmm. still some cold days yes. and chest infections around.
1: I thought it would be appropriate, Dave, just to look at the topic of chest infection and particularly chronic recurring chest infections, bronchitis, and even look at bronchiectasis, uh, another so-called wet lung condition, and the way in which natural medicine can augment the mainstream medical way of addressing these conditions. Dave, chest infections can obviously be quite dangerous, and uh, this is where modern medicine uh, is so important, because conditions such as pneumonia, for instance, which is a serious chest infection, in previous eras was a deadly disease, but since the advent of antibiotics, um, even that condition has become much, much better managed. But I'm more concerned about the way in which in today's society we're becoming more and more immune to the actions of antibiotics, Mm -hmm. probably as a result of using them too frequently or perhaps without a knowledge of the way in which the body begins to adjust to the effect of the antibiotic and not respond to it. So one of my tasks has been to look at the way in which Uh, natural substances, and particularly herbs, may be useful even in a modern environment, first of all to lessen the likelihood, say, of respiratory infections, and then uh, to address respiratory infections, particularly in their milder form, and also to address respiratory infections of a chronic nature, chronic bronchitis, bronchiectasis. Mm. And I'm convinced in that era or in that environment, herbs have a demonstrable value. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that today and look at some of the favourite herbs that I use for what I loosely and colloquially refer to as wet lung conditions. That is where there is a lot of congestion, uh, a lot of mucus, a uh, degree of coughing, and unfortunately associated with that a chronic status where the condition is Can, there. can they
0: help with the bronchial issues? They can. Yeah. They
1: can uh, remarkably so. So when I use the term wet lung. I'm embracing a lot of those conditions ranging from from bronchitis through to a bronchiectasis Mm -hmm. to a whole spectrum of respiratory conditions that again I say are characterized by congestion and recurrence. That's the main issue. Uh, The the occasional uh, bronchial episode which is treated with an antibiotic is fine. We're not too concerned about that. That's the way that many conditions are, are treated but i'm more concerned about the way in which uh, many of these infections keep recurring mm. and the way in which particularly in the elderly uh, many respiratory conditions uh, bronchiectasis bronchitis um, become more and more entrenched and sometimes less responsive to antibiotics and here i believe is where we have to start looking at natural drugs particularly herbs and some of them are already dave well well known and well mm. defined uh, for instance this might sound rather simplistic, but one of my favourite respiratory remedies that would be probably in every uh, formula that I dispense for a bronchitis condition, for a bronchiectasis condition, would be a straight-out garlic preparation. And I'm a great fan of yes, garlic. Yes. And Garlic comes in many forms. I prescribe it in a liquid form with other herbs in, in, from my dispensary. But there are numerous ways in which one can harness the natural antibiotic and immunostimulant characteristics of this remarkable herb, which is overlooked a lot because everyone says, oh, garlic. Oh, yes, I use garlic. But unfortunately, unfortunately, people don't appreciate the way in which it can address infections very, very competently, Mm -hmm. particularly those that are chronic, that are always there, and a regular, ongoing, daily medicinal use of a standardised extract or capsule or tablet of garlic, in my opinion, is a very, very significant way of addressing wet lung conditions, if we call them that. So there's an example for listeners out there who are battling uh, respiratory conditions, who always have uh, chest infections, who go from one antibiotic to another. Mm. A starting base would have to be starting to look at garlic more seriously and going to your pharmacy or your health food store and getting a medicinal form of garlic with a standardised dose and starting to take that as a preventative, Mm. chronic medication and keep taking it. And in most cases that will lead to a lessening of respiratory infection and even in those situations where the antibiotic may have to be prescribed, by using a softer medication, such as, say, garlic, Mm. that can augment the action of the antibiotic and lead to a situation of a quicker recovery. So even there, when we start to look at chest infections, chronic and recurring chest infections, one of the oldest and most well-known herbs, one of the oldest and most well-known herbs is the garlic. And listeners might be interested to know that garlic made its reputation in the First World War when British troops were given garlic preparations as a means of addressing... The terrible uh, respiratory conditions that they suffered in those wretched trenches in France and elsewhere where half the time they were walking around in mud and water, Mm. taking up every virus that was round the place and going down with respiratory infections like you wouldn't believe. Garlic, in its medicinal form, was offered to many of the troops as a means of lessening the severity of their respiratory infections. At Tea Gardens, is it Marie or Marie?
2: Marie.
0: Hello,
1: Marie.
2: Good morning, Dennis. Um, I have a reoccurring sort of lung infection. Yes. This is four times now. It starts out as like a bit of a sore throat. Yes. I start to sneeze then.
1: Yes. And it
2: goes to my chest. Yes. Now, the second time it went on for weeks and my doctor prescribed antibiotics. Yes. But he asked me what colour is the sputum that I cough up. Yes. Whether it's Creamy white or green. Yes, yes. And he said if it's creamy white, it's a viral infection yes. and you just have to get over it. Yes, okay. So I've got just getting over another one now. Okay. And uh, I've sort of got to go and lock myself outside the house and have a good cough so I don't wake everybody up of night, you know?
1: And, and when you cough, is, you, uh, is it a productive cough?
2: Yes, but it takes... It's like I'm coughing up Perkins' face okay. and it's sort of like i got a cough enough to get it off the bottom of my lung, it seems like.
1: And, and you get these uh, conditions fairly frequently?
2: Well, this is the fourth time this year, well, so that's no I'm just good. a little bit, that's uh, no good. you know, it's debilitating too, it is.
1: What I'm going to do now is give you a couple of little things that I think you'll find will help. Now, right,
2: I've got the garlic
1: now, written down, the take, garlic cap. Take, take garlic seriously. A lot of people sort of have a little bit of a smirk and think that this is, uh, you know, fairly folksy. But garlic yeah. garlic, let me emphasise, is a powerful medicinal substance. And if you appreciate that and take it in a stipulated dosage form and stay on it, it on its own should lessen the severity or even the frequency of this oh, infection. Great. Because I said earlier in the program... Garlic is both a natural antibiotic, but also it's called an immunostimulant agent. And what that means is it actually rallies your own body's defense mechanisms. So you must get onto to that. But there are two herbs, and listeners should take notice of this. There are two herbs in what's called the Western herbal medicine tradition that have been used to address chronic respiratory infections and recurring respiratory infections for at least 100 years. And the two herbs two herbs are as follows. One of them is very well known, and you would have heard me talk about it on the program frequently, and that is the North American herb known as Echinacea. Right? E-C-H-I-N-A-C-E-A. Now, Echinacea, on its own, is a very, very profound, well-documented, and easily the most popular a herb in Western herbalism, particularly to address infections and respiratory infections. But when it's combined with a European herb called elecampane, and I'll spell it for you, E-L-E-C-A-M-P-A-N-E, elecampane, when it is prescribed with that herb, you get a synergism that is recognized in our profession for making it one of the best combinations for addressing what I colloquially and loosely refer to as wet lung conditions. So that combination, it would probably mean that you would have to uh, go either to a compounding pharmacist or to my rooms at uh, Alma Road, New Lampton and get that compounded into a liquid form so that it could be taken as one dose of the combination in a liquid form a couple of times a day. Doing that in conjunction with your garlic, which you've already got, and plenty of vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Have you got that? Yes, I do. Do you
2: have yeah. a clinic
1: at Seslock? We've got a clinic at Seslock in Cumberland Road in Sally Bowen's um, clinic there. Um, it's, it's easy. It's just behind the uh, Goldman's produce store. Yeah, so, yeah
2: I, know, I know where
1: that is. Okay, so it's, it's easily formulated and it's not expensive. So to you and other listeners who are battling with uh, the respiratory conditions of a recurrent or chronic nature, I say again, start to use garlic seriously and not occasionally, and there's a big difference between using garlic medicinally and cooking with garlic. Garlic, when you cook, cook it, is great. It gives flavor, but you're not going to get the medicinal effect that mm. you get when you get the extract of it. Now, you take that, you take it in conjunction with the liquid preparation of Echinacea and elecampane. And you reinforce that with some vitamin C, and I'd be the most surprised practitioner if you don't break out of this spiral of getting these recurrent respiratory infections.
0: You're talking about uh, using uh, garlic. Mm, Yes. What's your thoughts on chilies? Can they help us? If you can bear a chili? Here
1: here again. What I mean, I have uh, in front of me here a little note that I wrote Um, um, just before coming to the station, uh, warming herbs, warming herbs. Now, in traditional medicine, and when I use the term traditional medicine, Dave, listeners must appreciate that what I'm referring to are those systems of medicine uh, that are traditional and go back thousands of years, not Western medicine. Now, in traditional medicine, a wet, cold condition, say a wintertime, bronchitis, or a wintertime wet chest condition, uh, condition, viral or bacterial, would always be seen as needing to be addressed by herbs that have warming characteristics. And at the top of the list, of course, is what you've referred to as mm. the chili. I refer to it botanically as capsicunanum. And that is probably one of the most warming herbs in medicine. Ginger comes close to it. And in fact, in some of the literature, um, ginger is seen as a prefer, uh, preferable herb. To, uh, to capsicum, particularly for lung conditions. There's right. a reason for that. But both those herbs, but get back to your point, uh, warming herbs are used in herbal medicine to, to address cold, wet conditions. And so at this time of the year, when coldness is predominating, when wetness is predominating, and when there's a lot of wet respiratory conditions around, it's necessary to introduce into the diet, into one's program, the regular use of hot spices, particularly chilies, which I love, Mm. or even ginger, ginger tea. So your point is valid, but listeners take on board that that maxim that cold wintertime conditions that manifest themselves in what we call colds or wet, cold chest conditions can be managed or helped by bringing in herbs of a warming characteristic which in every system of traditional medicine, Ayurvedic, uh, Chinese traditional medicine, the DIB system of, uh, in, in, of uh, is, uh, Islamic medicine, they all emphasise that principle. So, yes, capsicum is a very important agent.
0: Okay. Now, we've got waiting patiently for you, Ray at Teralba. Good afternoon.
1: G'day, Dennis. How are you? I'm well, Ray. How are you? Oh, I'm not there. That's Listen, good. mate, my problem is I've had tinnitus for years and yes. the ringing in the ears. Yes. I've listened to your show for a good while yes. and I thought i will give you a ring. Okay. Look, tinnitus is, is not an easy condition to treat. And anyone that tells you that, I I would question. But having said that, having said that, there is sufficient uh, literature around to support my my contention that a chronic use, that's a long-term use, of the modern European preparation of ginkgo biloba has possibilities of benefit there. And I have uh, literature to support that. And the point is, it's not just the herb ginkgo biloba but it's the length of time, the chronic period of time that it has to be worked with before one can expect to get a benefit. In some of the literature, the taking of ginkgo up to anything for a year has to be taken in order to be able to conclusively demonstrate some benefit. The European Commission, which governs medicinal substances in Western Europe, have considered ginkgo to be conclusively beneficial for the treating or the helping of tinnitus or ringing in the ears as listeners probably know what it is. So the best advice that I could give you is to go to get get some ginkgo make sure it's a standardised top of the range preparation uh, and there are many top of the range preparations. Go to your pharmacy or your health food store, talk to a professional there that can give you a, a good dosed form of the ginkgo and be prepared to work with it not for a week or two, a month or two, but long-term. You've had it a long time. So look look at it from the point of view of saying, look, this could be the last throw of the dice. You've heard me say anything up to a year, and I can confirm that by literature. Give it a go. The good thing is, the good thing about the ginkgo is that it's not expensive, it's over-the-counter, one doesn't need a script, and unless one is on uh, serious blood thinners uh, such as warfarin, Um, it's very unlikely to interact with other medications. Right. And the other thing about the ginkgo, and this is one of the reasons that I take it, is that it is is remarkably uh, renowned for its ability to address what we would uh, politely call ageing syndromes. And in the literature, you will find that it's popularly used in Europe by about 10% of the population, usually the elderly population, for addressing some of the early signs of ageing, such as uh, memory uh, failure, short term in particular, uh, mood swings, um, but in particular, recall problems. Uh, and it is considered to be remarkable also for the way in which it supports uh, the vascular system and particularly peripheral blood supplies. So I would see it as being something that is one of those remedies that I've referred to on this program previously as a natural anti-aging remedy and I believe very seriously in this concept that you can fight against this aging wretch that you've got to fight against it you just don't sit back and think well I'm getting old these things are going to happen these things don't have to happen in my opinion you fight against it and ginkgo is one of those remedies that as we get older I believe becomes conclusively more important and I take it good afternoon Chris how are you
2: Hello, Dennis. It's Chris here. Hello, Chris. Uh, I've just been listening to you uh, your, uh, this morning, yes, recently, and yes. Um, a friend of mine um very crook. She's had pneumonia, but yes. I've, you know, and she's not that, in the 40s, I suppose, and yes. she's trying to find try, it very hard to throw it off, yes. and she's short of breath and all sorts of congestion yes. and that, and you were saying about the garlic. Yes. Um, is that I sort got of got in on the end of that
1: story. Okay. Well, if your friend is um, so stricken with this condition it's likely it's likely that her doctor would have her on steroids that's prednisone with or without antibiotics and probably with an antibiotic if it's so serious but even there even there i believe there is a role for looking at supportive complementary medication that can assist the recovery and can work against the infection and the byproducts of the infection Um, in a way that leads to a better outcome. So even there, even there, I believe, the use of some of the natural drugs that I've been speaking about, garlic, and in particular echinacea, would be useful things for your friend to contemplate using, seeing that he or she now is starting to move out of the situation, getting over the condition. This will speed up the approach, but what I would suggest is that even when she's off steroid or he is off steroid and off an antibiotic, Um, that's the time to firm up and make sure that one keeps going with some of the things that I've been talking about, the garlic, the echinacea, uh, and the vitamin C. Uh, Doing that, in my opinion, would uh, top off the condition and the treatment and lessen the likelihood of its reassertion.
2: Okay, so where could you
1: buy that at your shop? Look, garlic is one of the most... Uh, popular products around the place. We uh, um, have garlic in my rooms in Alma Road in a, in a number of forms. I a a great believer in the liquid form of it. Interestingly, my liquid form is what's called tincture of garlic and it's made up to the French pharmacopoeia. I source my garlic from an organic grower of garlic in Victoria who supplies me with the starting material, oh, so I boast about having the best liquid garlic in, in Newcastle. Uh, you can tell it when when the, when the uh, container is open, the whole of the practice uh, reeks of garlic. I don't mind that, some do. But um, you can also get um, what are called garlic pearls. Now, garlic pearls are a well-known product. It's a ca- capsule preparation with a liquid garlic contained inside of it. That, to some people, is a a more easily taken form of the garlic. Either way, uh, both preparations are readily accessible. You would pick them up, um, um, certainly from my room, but from your health food store or your pharmacy. Liquid forms are used mainly... Uh, in combination preparations with other herbs such as Echinacea and elecampane, a liquid formulation that allows you to combine and present it in one dose, garlic pearls are usually prescribed for those that have reservations about the taste of liquid herbs and it's usually taken in a more convenient way.
0: As you mentioned the taste there, fish yep. oil is known for an aftertaste yes. and some concerns for people yes. with that, yes. they, they yep. don't like that. Yes. Is it similar with the garlic pearls? Do you get an aftertaste or is it
1: okay? Uh, look, some people, some people complain that they do. Um, a lot of people with some of these taste problems with garlic claim that um, eating some parsley, some fresh parsley, has a significant negative effect on the, the toast, taste and the odour and others will also use liquid chlorophyll. So I, I suspect that that would uh, apply to any mm. of these natural substances that have an aftertaste. But remember, the taste goes pretty quickly, mm. and once one eats something uh, else, uh, it goes. It tends to go even faster. Hello, Annette from Curry Curry. Yes. Hello. Hello,
2: Annette.
1: Hello, Dennis.
2: Um,
3: I'm just coming up in regards to my little grandson's had He's getting back molars. Yes. But he's had. This cough that you're talking about, yes, yes. But he's also just had gastro, yes, and still just doesn't want to firm up, and he's he's getting losing weight, too much weight too quickly.
1: How how, how old is he? Only two. Only two. He has he obviously had him medically checked out.
3: Yes been medically checked out, okay. they're also doing a, um, a testing on his stool And yeah, he idea. hasn't come back yet okay. but I was just wondering if there's something that we can do to try and firm up his stool because okay. it's starting to be too long, okay. it's been nearly seven days.
1: Look, um, slippery elm, slippery elm is a, is a useful, safe substance and in a, in a powdered form it tastes like malt what I would be doing um, is using a little bit of slippery elm, mixing it with say a little bit of honey uh, yeah. or, or converting it into a liquid form, give him about or a teaspoonful of that or half a teaspoonful if he's only two um, once a day because what slippery elm does is function as a bulking agent. When it goes into the system, it tends to absorb a lot of the fluids in the gastrointestinal tract and it's, it's famously used for addressing um, diarrheic conditions. So it would be the first thing that would come to my mind I would suggest, however, that before you do that, you mention it to the GP. Most GPs are familiar with Slippery Elm, just a telephone call to let him know what, or she what you'd like to do, um, wise to keep them in the loop. But because of its safety and because of the way in which it really is a food and because of the ease with which it can be conveyed with any cereal or porridge or anything, that would be a starting base in my opinion.
3: Great, right, because he's only just starting to eat, but he can't keep nothing in his body at the moment. Oh, it
1: just goes straight through him.
3: It's going straight through. Have you yeah, have you I mean, have you
1: used things like grated apple?
3: Yes, and we've used everything that we could possibly think of, and I just thought maybe you might be able to put what, a like.
1: What about the, what about?
3: Bottle, hopefully.
1: What about some yogurt? Have you tried yogurt? Uh,
3: no, I haven't tried yogurt. Actually, but, he was told to stay off because. Uh, she had him at the john. Yes, and they told him to keep him off dairy, so okay. I, have, well, we haven't
1: been given may, him may, maybe Maybe contemplate putting him on some uh, acidophilus, some inner health, um, in order to recolonise his gut. Again, you'd be best to run past this, your GP, but uh, when the gut flora or the bowel flora is disturbed, uh, sometimes that can participate in a diarrheic tendency so using acidophilus whether it come in yoghurt or as an isolated form might be a useful second way of retrieving his gut function, the slippery elm to provide a slowing down and bulking up effect and perhaps some acidophilus in a convenient form that coincides with the medical advice you've been given to address the bowel colony. Hello. Hello Donna.
2: Hello, hi. I was just wondering if you mm-hmm. could possibly suggest for me some cholesterol-lowering lowering, um, supplement to take, please. I've tried um, fish oil and yes. black seed, yes. and um, it's, very, um, it's hereditary in my family. Okay. And my LDL is high, hmm. and it's, my cholesterol level is
1: 6.8. Well, fortunately, you seem to be what would be referred to as being moderately elevated as far mm-hmm. as your cholesterol is concerned okay. um you'd be tar- or your doctor would be targeting to get you down to about 5.5 5. so mm. it should be possible to do that without going the way of statins Thank um, you. i'm not a fan of statins so i won't go there i could talk all day about statins and i have an opinion that one day down the track we will be seen to have pushed statins too hard mm-hmm. um too frequently and with with consequences, but don't start me on that. Okay. But what I suggest you do is appreciate that there are substances called phytosterols. I'll spell it for you.
2: S-P-H-Y-T-O-S-T-E-R-O-L-S.
1: P-H-Y-T-O-S-T-E-R-O-L-S. Yep, got it. Now, phytosterols occur in many substances, but... Um, in their isolated form and in a medicinal, pharmaceutical form, Mm -hmm. uh, what they do is hinder or lessen uh, what we frequently say is the reabsorption of Mm -hmm. cholesterol. Um, In other words, what these substances do is not interfere with liver function, Mm -hmm. as other medications do in addressing cholesterol problems, but what they actually do is improve the excretion of Mm -hmm. cholesterol from the system by lessening its reabsorption across the bowel wall. Now I'm being very simple and very, uh, how can I call it, a little bit naive in getting over to you how it works. What Mm -hmm. it actually does is interfere with the reabsorption of cholesterol and what this does is progressively lower the level of cholesterol. Mm -hmm. So um, using products that contain phytosterols is Mm -hmm. the starting base and in my opinion, I would be most surprised if they couldn't get you down a a unit, maybe a a 1.5. I'd be surprised if you couldn't do that. Uh, There are a number of them. I stock a product called BASICOL, B-A-S-I-C-H-O-L, and it gives me good results with my clients and patients who um, have been told by their GP, look... You really need to address this issue Um, and they say well look I'm reluctant to go onto statins frequently the GP will say well look uh, see if you can get it down with diet and other substances unfortunately diet has been shown to be not that effective in significantly addressing the problem but phytosterols in preparations such as basicol and another one is called cholesterol manager they have a good reputation and I can vouch for the effect of seeing patients cholesterol readings on paper no doubt about it show a reduction in a reasonably short period of time three to four months I would suggest you contemplate using phytosterols something like basicol which also has a secondary substance called polycosinol in with it three to four months on that let your GP know what you're doing um, I'd go that that way uh, before I went down the pathway of, of the statins
0: okay Dennis we've got Jen uh, joining us now from Elmore Vale
1: Hi, Jan.
3: Oh, hi, Dennis. How are you?
1: I'm well indeed.
3: My question's about bruising. I yes. tend to bruise very easily. And yes. I'm wondering whether there's something you would recommend that I either take or a cream that would aid in the healing okay. of a bruise maybe quicker than okay. normal?
1: Well, to start with, um, in, uh, in natural medicine, there is a remarkably effective herb called arnica, which is, yep. speci- which is specifically in an ointment or cream form used to address bruising. yes. But it's only to be used in a topical form arnica should not be taken orally. But it's sure. it's it's a butte thing to have in the medicine chest so to speak to cover the bruise and serious bruising but on the other yeah, hand I've heard of arnica. Mm. arnica but on the other hand what I would be contemplating also is using some uh, some bioflavonoids. Right. Uh, bioflavonoids uh, one of them is called rutin R U T I N Yes. and it's popularly available and okay. even even put yourself onto the herb that we've spoken about frequently the bilberry which oh, okay. which it, which is remarkable for the way which it tends to strengthen the smaller blood vessels the micro blood vessels and lessening bruising tendencies yeah, so my right. my suggestion yeah. would be see your pharmacy or your health food store proprietor get a preparation that has the bioflavonoid rutin in it And also, while you're there, get yourself a tablet of the bilberry with its particular bioflavonoid. Use the arnica topically to address the bruise when it occurs and see how you go.
0: There you go. Thank you, Jan. 49216216 is the number here for Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart. Now, Dennis, something that everybody seems to have at the moment is a sore throat. Do you have a herbal treatment
1: for a sore throat? Sore throats can be uh, remarkably helped, and I think I may have mentioned this on the program before, the herb sage, botanically known as Salvia officinalis, mm-hmm. in the literature it's always called up as having a, a distinctive relationship to sore throat conditions, even strep throat conditions. So a gargle. Let me emphasize a simple gargle preparation: right, right. teaspoonful of the dried herb, which you can purchase even from the supermarket. Teaspoonful of sage in a coffee cup. Pour on the boiling water. Stir it. Let it stand. Cool gargle a couple of times a day, that is a useful way to lessen a sore throat experience and speed up recovery.
0: Radio. Now, um, we have got one thing I wanted to talk to you about before okay. we go any further. Cough medicines. Yeah. You mentioned the Irish moss, yes, yes. which went a treat here. A I lot did. of us used it, cleared fan. up within two or three days. Now, talk thing, a little more about
1: it. Okay. There are two forms of cough medicines. One of them is what we call in our trade a relaxing expectorant. And this is one that addresses dry cough conditions for which Irish moss is mm. classically useful. But then we have what are called stimulating expectorants, and that's where there's a lot of mucus or congestion in the lung. In these situations, you want something that will help bring up the congestion. And one old-fashioned preparation that is very readily available and very inexpensive is the famous senega and ammonia. Okay. Senegar yeah. is a herb commonly known as snake root. But Senega is its botanical name. The preparation, I think, is even available in supermarkets on the on the um, on the um, counter, so to speak. Um, that is one that use, one uses as a so-called cough medicine to address a congestive wet lung condition. Irish moss is butte. For the sore, work to treat here. Yeah, we loved it. Yeah. Magic, I yeah, can tell. Well. Thank Your you vo- for that. Your voice has never been better, Dave. It is
0: good at the moment. Touch wood. <laughs> Thank you for today, as always. Thank you, Dave, time's beaten us again, but it's so great to have Dennis Stewart with us. He is here every Friday between midday and one, and Dennis will be back with us next Friday.